You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. The Daily Music Business Podcast. The content of this episode of the Daily Music Business Podcast comes from a video on the YouTube channel of Outer Loop Group. Go to outerloop.group backslash YouTube to subscribe. For Outer Loop Coaching's free seven steps to getting signed PDF, please visit outerloopcoaching.com today. Let's dive in. I asked this question to Spencer, and, and um, so I'm kind of curious as to whether you'll answer in a similar way. Is there a time where it's too soon to do VIP? That's a good question. Um, I would say in this day and age, if you look back nine years ago when I started SoundRank, I'd probably tell you yes. I probably would have told you, unless you're playing X amount of size rooms, you really shouldn't be doing VIP. Um, as time has gone on, um, you know, our biggest niche is those mid tier size acts. And we've grown with a lot of those smaller artists. We've grown with an ice nine kills when they were playing hundred cap rooms. We've grown with the dance Gavin dances as they were playing hundred cap rooms. And I think we started out with both those artists when they were playing really small venues. And I don't think there's too small. I think if you are a band that's touring and going on an actual tour, I think there is an option for you to offer that. I don't think you are, you offer a very expensive option. I think it's one that's economical. And at the end of the day, you're maybe making three or $4 really off of each of those consumers, but you're gaining and you're essentially making it known that that's what you're going to be offering from the beginning as an artist. And so your fans, as you're gaining them grow to know that you're going to be offering a VIP on your headlining tours, on your headlining dates, when you come around, when you're playing in front of a hundred people and when you grow into a band that's playing in front of thousands of people. And by doing that from the get go, it's going to help you gain some of those super fans and really kind of just have those, um, have those interactions with them in a more intimate setting because everybody can say, well, I could have those interactions with my fans after the show. And it's like, yeah, you can, but it's not as like when you're, especially when you're a younger band and you're touring and say you have 10 people at a show and you do a VIP session an hour before doors, that is an hour that you have with those 10 people. That is more of an interaction than that fan would get with just shaking your hand after the show at the merch table, signing something and talking. I mean, some of these people have really strong connections with their fans because of the interactions that they have during the VIP. And the artists that are younger that do that, they are, we, we really suggest that to not charge a lot, you know, to, to, to upcharge the ticket, maybe $15, include a poster, laminate, and the album. And your profit on it is not huge. But the goal isn't for it to be huge. It's to build it into a moneymaker and to build it into another revenue stream for you to, again, you know, whether it's pushing a new record when the new record comes out, when you're now headlining 500 capacity rooms, it's building that strong fan base that you have. Um, it's selling merch. It's, it's all those things um, that you can go ahead and do with the VIP. I mean, we're even talking, you know, we're, we've been talking a lot about how can we, you know, lengthen the VIP buyer and those those different marketing hits to those to those super fans that want different things? Maybe it's pre-buying merchandise um, before the tour even happens and having that available to them on the road. Maybe it's releasing releasing an exclusive poster 
um, to just those VIP fans to purchase before the tour. Um, so they're not going ahead and having to handle it at the, you know, at the show and spill beer on it or whatever, you know? So it's like, how can we have all those different touch points and offer this to bands? Um, so as you grow as an artist, I guess back to the point, like as a smaller artist, I don't think there's too small. I think if you're able to go tour and eat, like I said, even if you're playing like hundred capacity rooms, I think there is room for you to offer some sort of experience and um it's not going to be like 30 people a night sometimes we've had ones with like five a night but it does grow into other things i mean when we started doing ice nine kills there was ones where we had five or ten a night but i mean now you know we're doing a hundred you know over a hundred it's that time so it's it's you know we're selling out of different artists selling out and having to really limit it when I remember starting with Dance Gavin Dance, we were doing like five to ten a night, you know, and then now we have to limit it because there's just so many people that want to do it. And so for us, it's like, it's like our whole thing is growing with an artist. And I don't think now looking back at it and looking how when we first started, I think the bands that we were, those smaller to mid-tier bands weren't really doing the packages. I think now it's it's kind of a common place for people to do it. Whether they use a company like us or they decide to sell it on their own site, you know, um, I think that it's definitely, there's a place for it, you know. Um, and we definitely have had some bands recently that are smaller that we've done. And I think it, it actually turned out, I think, better than we, ex you know, we thought it was going to. Um, and that was a great, uh, that was an awesome thing to do. So Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Wax, I wanted to segue a little bit to international because, uh, you know, I think a lot of artists, they focus on whatever country they're from and try to just grow there. I mean, you had a top 10 single in Europe and Scandinavia uh, just a few years ago. Was developing an international audience and making something like that happen something that you were very conscientious of uh, leading up to that? or? Was that just like now taking advantage of just a, a good opportunity? It was no that it wasn't conscientious at all. It was the exact opposite of that. Actually, it was just it was a fluke. You know what I'm saying? I just I put out a video, and it had some uh, music video. It had some viral success, and I actually got a you know a record deal in Germany. And it, I'm basically like an underground underground rapper in America, and I'm a one hit wonder like Rico Suave guy. And, countries in Europe you know what I mean so it was actually super fun to live both of those experiences like I'd go over there and do like good morning Germany and like I did a bunch of like MTV spring break shows like at you know it was wild bro but uh it was completely at 100% on zero planning there was no planning some things in life and some things in this music stuff you can't plan you know what I mean you can't you can't be like you know what I want to have the number one single in Austria yeah, I never even been to Austria, you know what I mean? And uh, and uh, it was just like some, you know, sometimes you just got to put the stuff out. I tell a lot of people you got to put stuff out and sometimes flowers will grow that you didn't even have the right seeds for or whatever metaphor you want to use. But uh, the good thing about the good thing about it is, um, you know, it did it did ex that expands to this to this day. That's a, a, a hit over there. So people still stream that song. People still watch the video. People have learned about my other music from that. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, it was it was completely uh, unplanned. I, I mean, I wish I could, I wish I could con continue that, but I, yeah, I haven't. I wanted to say with um w with what Cody was talking about with the VIP packages, and uh, Cody, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm kind I'm kind of like a 
like a relatively lower level touring artist. And basically, this is my point. I have enough time after the show to pretty much meet anybody who wants to meet me. But I have friends that like they got past that level where if they did like an after show meet and greet, it would take five hours. So I feel like is that almost like the point where somebody would lo logically do a VIP thing when they don't have really have you couldn't you wouldn't have you don't have time to meet a thousand people at a, at a meet and greet for everybody after the show. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's definitely a good point for it. And I think some artists still don't want to charge for it. One of our very mutual friends, Mac Lethal, does not charge for his, uh, for his VIPs, you know. And, like, he'll sit there. I mean, actually, it's funny. I booked him for, for many years, even for the That's tour that you guys did did together. I yeah, and I booked I Spose, I too. Spose is my homie. Right. So, yeah. So, like, the biggest thing with that is, like, he'll not, you know, he doesn't charge. But he'll sit there for, like, four hours. Like, he could realistically charge if he wanted to but his he doesn't want to so like i think it you can i think what you i don't think it i think it just matters like how close and what like offering an experience you know what i mean like is the big thing like we have people who will bring an n64 and play super smash brothers with their fans like you wouldn't have time after a show you would have time to meet fans but to set up a whole tv and play super smash brothers that's like the offering that an artist that's maybe like you know, playing not huge rooms and again, has the time afterwards, but still wants to like give people an experience and, and still be able to put a little bit more money in their pocket. Um, that's like the type of experience that you would offer in that, in that situation. I feel like we, like, it's more than just like a handshake and Hey, how you doing? Thanks. You know, and people, it's like really offering something that somebody's going to walk away from and be like, that was completely worth the money. That was freaking awesome. And I would do that again. Um, and then they'll come up after the show and still shake your hand. But at least you know that they got their money's worth and that they feel like what they paid for was exactly that. So I think it's definitely like you have to be, I want to say tread it, but you have to be like, it, you have to just make sure that what you're offering is an experience if you're at that level where, you know, you do have the time afterwards to shake everybody's hand and you may not feel that it's worth charging your fans just to shake your hand because you're going to go ahead and see them anyways after the show. So I mean, here's, here's, let me ask, yeah, ask one, one, one yeah. thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. From And this is from a, a touring artist perspective. You said, you know, they have, you said they have the experience and when they walk away, they feel whatever. But this, the reality of it is how do you tell them when to leave? You know what I'm saying? I value, I value my fucking alone time. A, a good tour man. A good tour manager always helps. I don't want I don't want to uh, do a pizza party before every show when I got fifty shows on a tour. You know what I'm saying? Like I start I, I want to start working at one certain time. And I, I I don't know, man. Maybe I'm socially awkward or whatever. But like when there's this I mean, God bless anybody who want, who would pay to meet me. But it's awkward. It's it's a strange interaction with essentially strangers. And then, and then the, it's like, how do you, how do you tell them? Well, well, now it's over. You know what I'm saying? It, it, that to me, it's just, it's, it's not only that I don't want to charge people. It just seems like an awkward interaction. That's why, like my homie Watsky, he, he does a VIP package where he does a poetry show before, before. And it's like when the poetry show is done, they know that that's the time where they go. You know what I'm saying? So, but, but like, I don't know if you, if you're like, yeah, cause like my other homies, they do like uh, they'll barbecue backstage with the, or outside on their bus with people. And I just always am like, how do you get people to leave? You know what I mean? 
it's, yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's I, a good tour manager, like Mike said. <laughs> well, I think you look, I think you hit the point, not only with uh, VIP experiences, but with anything, right? It, it, it needs to be genuine to you and you have to feel as if you're willing and able to give something um, to it. I've had many artists that we've asked to do them and they felt very awkward. And then once they, they got in there, they realized what a profound experience it is because the fans aren't, I mean, some of them are awkward, but some of them are just so, you know, gracious to, to get the chance to meet you. What I was going to say, you know, before you asked that question was really with all of this stuff to me, it's going back to, it does need to be genuine, but simultaneously it's all about how you market it. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why Ice Nine Kills has had success in it is, is we've taken just a unique marketing approach to, to make it, you know, something that's, that's unique and individualized and, you know, Crystal's done such a good job of that with Bad Wolves. I'm sure, uh, you know, with the cameo stuff, it, it's all the same. I mean, so much of what we do, no matter what the stream or revenue, if we market it correctly, we've got a much better chance of it impacting. Well, Crystal, can you talk about that? Like, is there a different way to market the, 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 the stuff that you sell to more casual Bad Wolves fans versus these super fans? Is there a different approach to uh, how you get to them? And, and I guess, uh, actually, I asked the question before I wanted to ask it, but is there uh, like a, a differentiation between, well, our casual fans uh, we get to on social media, but our Uber fans we can get to via email and SMS, things like that? Yeah, we, ne we never want to make the fans that aren't patrons um, of our Patreon feel like they're not a super fan because they can afford or don't want to pay the, you know, the, the subscriber fee. So we definitely are cautious of that in all of our language um, when we post things um, because all of our fans are important across the board. Um, and so what we'll do is we'll put up a lot of teasers or we'll put up like short clips, you know, of the stuff that we are putting up on Patreon. So people do get a little taste of it. Um, we don't want them to feel left out. And we've also just really ramped up the social media um, for the band because we don't want all the content to only be created for Patreon and have the people that are only followers on Instagram feel left out and feel like they have to pay to see anything that the band is doing. So we've definitely, um, found a really good balance between both of those. So it's just really walking a fine line to make sure that people don't feel left out and feel like they're not a super fan because they're not paying for it because they're all important. Excellent, thank you. Uh, Matt, uh, on Cameo, are there opportunities for music artists that other celebrities can't take advantage of? Is there something special about musicians, the musicians that we love that uh, uh, is just a sort of added bonus that should be make a cameo an even more attractive platform? Yeah, there are all kinds of cool new use cases. Now that we're, now that we're out there, it's just fun to see how the, the artists have made it their own. And whenever I learn about something creative and unprecedented, I always get behind it. And if we can get PR behind it and get some visibility around it, we like to because it, then it inspires other artists. So. Um, I don't know, yeah, there's a lot of examples of that. Uh, Tom from Plain White Tees, for example, with Hey There Delilah, he he wanted to customize or personalize a version of Hey There Delilah for your girlfriend, where he'll actually sing her name in the chorus instead of, you know. Um, uh, yeah, there's, you know, we get involved with uh, promotion around singles, around releases. Sometimes uh, 
Aaron Watson is a, is a big indie country artist and his album was called red bandana. So we worked with him for, you know, tying in other talent that we have to shout out his album and swing a red bandana in their cameos. You know, there's all kinds of examples uh, for music. Yeah. And, and, and specific to music. That's, that's what I get uh, really excited about. So yeah, we're, we're even actually just prior to this, I had a phone call with um, ICM and, and interestingly, they are a lot of these agencies now are basically creating task forces looking for these new revenue models you know and and so cool to be part of those combos and um we're just you know we're we're open to getting as imaginative as anybody wants to get so there there are examples where um i mean beyond just what you can do in the cameo which is yeah sky's the limit you can dedicate like natasha beddingfield is dedicating her song unwritten to your graduating class of 2020 things that there's a infinite number of really cool examples over there but then on the promo side it's like uh, we have examples where people are tying in cameos to as incentive for fans to pre-order their single or let's let's give them a half off cameo promo code to the fan that won this contest or who shared this instagram post most often so matt is there uh, sorry to interrupt but is there a way in which um uh you know sort of the the because you mentioned this with that bandana thing which i think is a cool idea the way that that cameo can act as not just the the cart if that makes sense but the horse where you can it it can drive other potential revenue streams just by identifying who the super fans are for an artist is is that right Totally. Yeah. Yeah. More and more. It's becoming more reciprocal. So we're seeing streams go up when people are active on Cameo. We're seeing, it was um, Ronnie Radke was one of the first to really demonstrate this where we noticed that his and his manager pointed out to us, you know, the, there's, he, there's a bump in all of his business for the certain month. And the only difference was that he started using Cameo and he re realized that it was driving merch sales, it was driving streams, it was driving engagement and, you know, ticket sales back when there were ticket sales. And there, yeah, we're starting to see that more and more. So, and I like, I like to do that. So whether it's even just within their profile or through uh, even, even digital blasts on our socials. So, so if there's a talent that we're really stoked and, and, and we're seeing that they're, bought into what we're doing and we're bought into what they're doing. I don't, I'll have them do a, a swipe up on, you know, on our official cameo Instagram. That'll just more shouting out that they have a new single that we love with, you know, it's, it's awesome. Fully altruistic and just, just because we dig it. So yeah. And, and the more we see that, then the more we'll be able to actually measure that. And that'll, that'll be a big day for me when I could say, Hey, come on cameo it bumps your streams, you know, 10% or something like that. Well, Cody, I mean, your your Soundrick is offering something uh, obviously very different from what Cameo is doing, but it's still got that live streaming uh, component. Uh, it's softball question here, but how are you differentiating Soundrick live uh, to the live streaming that we're seeing as we're recording this during the uh, coronavirus lockdown? A lot of artists doing on their social media platforms, and then like. Is that something that you think can be effectively monetized? And if so, how? So for us, we're doing it different because we're actually 
you know, going ahead and moderating it ourselves, a lot of these artists are going ahead and they're looking at like, they're looking at their Facebook feed and they're just kind of answering questions. What we're doing is we're capturing those questions and actually moderating them and putting them on the screen for the artists to, to answer. Um, we're doing a lot of different graphics for them. I mean, some artists have figured it out and they've been able to do that, but we've kind of tried to put together a platform that allows us to kind of take over the streaming aspect of it and give the art and give it a very professional look for the artist. Um, bringing in all the band members um, into one stream, you know, doing all of those things to make it look as professional as possible. And also pushing it out to multiple outlets. Like, you know, so a lot of the streams we do, we goes to the band's Facebook, the band's Twitter, um, the band's YouTube, the label's YouTube, our YouTube, our website. It's basically streamed across probably anywhere from five to 10 different platforms as at once. And then we pull in all the questions from all the different platforms and moderate that to them. We also have the ability, um, a little bit different, is we built the website to list out the streams and host the streams, um, but also the ability to on-screen tip to these to the artist. So whether it's directly to the artist or it's to a cause that they are supporting during this time, people can go to SoundRank Live, watch it on SoundRank Live, click a button and tip on screen and not even leave the screen and then literally less than a minute be able to tip the, the artist. I mean, they, if they're on their phone, they can Apple Pay and tip the artist. There's no, the big thing I'm seeing a lot of people like, hey, tip us by Venmoing us. On our platform, there's no Venmo. There's no Oh, what was their Venmo? What was their PayPal? What's, you know, their PayPal.me slash what, you know, band name is where you click the button and you tip the band right there and it goes to them. And so for us, like the big thing about that is you're capturing data. So our huge thing is capturing that data from the fan with that tip. They can sign up for your newsletter. They can ask to not be signed up to your newsletter. You get their information, their email, the band can email each one of them and thank them personally for the tip if they'd like and have that sort of interaction. We can send out a mass email saying thank you for the tip. Um, you know, unless you sign up for the newsletter, you won't get any other emails from us. Um, you know, we can go ahead and people can leave a message. We've done contests where, hey, whoever, you know, tip us now, whoever, out of all the tippers, we'll pick two people to win uh, a, shir a shirt from our new merch store and somebody will win a piece of vinyl that we're putting out, you know? And so we're doing contesting that way and really trying to push, push that aspect. So we've had artists that have raised 500 to a couple thousand dollars for what their, what their initiative. And we've had a couple artists that have made that for themselves to, to put towards their bills to help them cover Cody, what's going on and, and we've had some very be, gracious you know people so yeah would it be inaccurate to say that like a lot of people have grown used to that idea just through what twitch has been doing for gamers that sort of thing where you're tipping as you're watching and, and just keep on clicking that button sometimes i watch people uh, to do that on twitch is that would that be a similar type of concept Exactly. And we actually, speaking of Twitch, we actually use Twitch to embed on our site for the free ones because it's just, it's naturally, I love Twitch. I think they have an amazing product. It's great. We can embed it directly on our site. We're able to reuse that content on our end, how we need to, we want to reuse it. We can download the video and re-upload it to YouTube. Their servers are great. I mean, I don't, I've never had any issues. Their latency is amazing. So I, yeah, I mean, it's similar to that. And people can do the same thing on our Twitch. And we've done enough of these now where we're a partner and an affiliate. So people can do the tipping on Twitch as well. And we're gaining this experience. And, um, you know, it's been a great thing. I think the next move for us is really going to be 
Uh, and what we're working on right now, we actually have one playing on Saturday, is a full band live stream in a venue. So we had two bands that are playing on Saturday in Connecticut, full production, full everything in a venue, four or five camera stream, direct audio, all mixed and everything live. We're doing two local bands and, and that's going to be our first just foray of how do we do this? Because everybody's been playing at home. Everybody's been playing acoustic. And so for us, we're like, that's only going to last so long, but once people are able to get back together, how can we go ahead and create somewhat of a experience with a full production? And those, those are the next steps we're taking. I think a little bit further than maybe some like other people who are like, Oh, stream at home. We're like, what can, can we go rent a soundstage in Nashville and hire a video crew and sell a full show um, for two hours of a band playing full band once this thing gets together. And those are the steps that we're taking and the things that we're doing and already have in place. Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.